Luke chapter 2, I'll be reading verses 1 through 20. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenus was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Galilee unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. And all God's people said, Amen. Our Heavenly Father, we pray Thee now that You would glorify Yourself in this message this morning, that the world might know that the Christ has been born. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, by way of an introduction, I uh, wanted to share with you that when I was a new Christian and I came to church on Easter Sunday, what was Easter Sunday to me, because all my life we celebrated Easter Sunday at our house, we would dress, I grew up in the Midwest, we'd dress up nicely, we'd, my dad would buy us a hat and a necktie, and we'd get our family picture taken in front of, you know, flowers that were blooming in the spring, and we'd go to church on Easter and celebrate of course, the uh, resurrection of Christ. So I have a history of going into church wishing people happy Easter. But when I came to a non-denominational Christian church where people knew their Bible, um, I realized I was saying the wrong thing. I was supposed to say, he is risen, to which they would reply, he is risen indeed. So as I open my message this morning, I don't want to make the same mistake I made. I don't want to offend anybody. So let me wish everybody here happy holidays. Now, I've done that intentionally. My intention is to provoke you, and so I imagine it kind of rang with you like a dissonant chord. Um, 
on your ears. And so that was my point. I wanted to do that. I was trying to make a point here. When I wish you happy holidays, I imagine there was a little bit of offense, and I can see that on your face. There was a little <laughs> bit of offense taken. Um, and as a result of that, you were probably offended for your Savior's sake. And I'm supposed to some degree Christ was lifted up in your heart as you kind of worked through what I had said and what this season is really all about. So the title of today's sermon is this, Christ the Elephant in Christmas. And that comes from, of course, the idiomatic expression, the elephant in the room, which we all know means that something that is obvious to everyone and can't be ignored, but is ignored. That's what the elephant in the room means. So the title is Christ the Elephant in Christmas. So once again, the Christmas season is upon us, and the world knows it is upon us and tries to pretend that we are all running around about shopping for gifts and decorating our houses with trees and lights and figurines because that's just the thing people do this time of year. It's a seasonal sort of thing. It's hard to get anything done this time of year. You call people and get work done because productivity is down near zero. Corporations shut down sometimes for a couple of weeks this period of time. People take time off of work to go home and spend time with their families as though they are hardwired with some kind of an animalistic nesting instinct which draws people home. So while the world might like to pretend there is no religious significance to this time of year, nevertheless, they go out and they fight Christmas traffic and suffer Christmas crowds so they can Christmas shop they put Christmas lights on the outside of their house. They string Christmas lights along their fences. They drape Christmas lights over the bushes. They put up Christmas figures in their front yards or on top of their roofs. They'll buy a Christmas tree and set it up in their house and put Christmas lights on it and then decorate it with Christmas ornaments under which they will put Christmas gifts. Now, is there any other occasion where people scattered around the world cut down a tree and set it up in their house on an annual basis, on an annual basis, all for the same reason, and then put lights on it, decorate it with ornaments, and if that were not enough, they buy gifts, wrap them up, and put them underneath the tree, all because it's Christmas. Now, I'm going to spell that for you, C H R I S. T-M-A-S, not C-H-R-I-S-M-A-S, Christ-mess. So who puts up lights, ornaments, cuts down a trees for New Year's Day? Who does that for New Year's Day? As far as I know, the only thing people associate New Year's Day with is recovering from drinking the previous night, watching bowl games, and uh, watching the Rose Parade. So this world can call this season, this time, whatever it wants, the Christmas season or the holiday season, but there's a lot of conspicuous activity that revolves around December 25th and only December 25th that has the name of Christ all over it. Even the most secular radio stations will play music, however irreverent, and I heard dogs barking to the tune of um, Jingle Bells the other day on the radio, they will play music, however irreverent, but it is peculiar to this time of year 
drawing attention to Christmas. Even Santa's elves are busy making Christmas gifts that he and his reindeer will deliver on Christmas Eve. They are not holiday gifts delivered on holiday Eve. Everything associated with this time of year has to do with Christmas. Now, as a side note, unknown to most of the world, the word holiday comes from the word holy day. So in reality, to call this time of year the holiday season is to unknowingly glorify God because December 25th is a day that people associate with the birth of Christ. And so it is regarded as an holy day, a special day of observation associated with Christ who is holy. And so, whether they know it or not, whether the world knows it or not, they are glorifying Christ in their holy day greetings, holiday greetings. Now, if you'll recall, if you'll, I know you know your, your Bible. Recall that when Jesus descended down the Mount of Olives on the colt, the foal of an ass, as he was about to enter in Jerusalem just days before his crucifixion. People cried out so much so that it irritated the, irritated the Pharisees, and they told Jesus to rebuke his disciples. When they told him to rebuke his disciples, what did he say? He said, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And so, without even knowing it, every year the stones are crying out that Christ has come. This they do when they pull out of their when they pull all of their Christmas decorations out of their closets and decorate their homes. This they do when they put up their Christmas trees and decorate them with Christmas lights and Christmas ornaments and put Christmas gifts under it. This they do when they go to Christmas parties and listen to Christmas music, sharing holy day cheer during the darkest time of the year. Speaking of the Northern Hemisphere, they share Holy Day cheer. So whether they know it or not, they are glorifying God who manifested himself in the flesh on that celebrated occasion. Whether they know it or not, the Father of Lights has people putting up lights, acknowledging the birth of he who is the light of the world and whose Christian witness yet remains in this world as lights in this present evil world. And the stones do this, whether they know it or not, because God is sovereign and rules over all peoples at all times, whether they acknowledge it or not. So why do they wrap up Christmas gifts and place them under a Christmas tree? Probably because God gave the gift of eternal life, which is through Christ, the greatest gift anyone could ever receive, and wrapped him in flesh and placed him on the tree at Calvary. And plainly wrapped was he, Scripture says that, quote, he hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. And so the world scrambles for all the worldly stuff at the base of the tree and misses Christ upon the tree, 
which leads us to the Mass in Christmas. The word Christmas comes from the Old English words Christis Masse, or Christ, Christ Mass, meaning the Mass of Christ, which is associated with the sacrifice or offering of Christ. So the very use of the word Christmas, the word we use for the day celebrated as the birth of Christ, has built into it the reason for which he was born and manifest in the flesh, and that is to be the sacrifice for the sins of his people. Christ is the means and agency by which his people, those that see him on the tree, are reconciled to God. He is the sacrifice which was given by God to God to expiate the sins of his people. And so, when the angel of the Lord came to Joseph in a dream and told him that Mary had conceived by the Holy Ghost, the angel said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And as I'm sure you know, the name Jesus means Savior. And save us he did when he was hung upon the tree, crucified and slain for his people. He is God's gift of eternal life in the person of Jesus Christ on Calvary's tree. He is God's Christ Mass or Christmas. And the world proclaims this every year, whether they know it or not. Billions of people all over the world celebrate Christmas or the Holy Days. Everywhere you turn, you have to deal with Christ in Christmas. When you exchange a greeting, what do you say? What do the people you're talking to you say? People who are reluctant to say Merry Christmas, lest they offend sensitive ears, surely go through a quick mental rationalization. Well, I know it's Christmas, but I don't want to offend anybody, so I'll say Happy Holidays, sort of an umbrella greeting that covers everything from Hanukkah to New Year's Day. However, it is in their hearts that both of these people know they're confronted with the elephant of the room, that it's all about Christmas. There are Christmas lights on their house. There's a Christmas tree in their house under which are Christmas presents. So off they go. And God is glorified in all of this to the degree that their consciences are pricked with the remembrance that it is the birth of Christ that is at the heart of the holiday, holy day season. Now, I think we all know the difference between general revelation and special revelation. General Revelation says in Psalm 19, verses 1 through 3, quote, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. In other words, God's handiwork is visible to all men everywhere at all time, so that all men everywhere at all times know there is a God. Romans 1.20 sums it up very neatly. It says, For the invisible things of him, that would be God, from the creation of the world, 
are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There is no excuse for anybody at any point in time in history to not know there is a God. Now, special revelation says that they can't know Christ personally. Um, you can't know him in your heart in an intimate way, in a relationship way, in a salvific way, but only by the revelation of God. However, one thing is certain this time of year, and that is you can't get away from knowledge of him. Everywhere you turn, it's Christ missed this and Christ missed that. For almost 1,700 years, Christmas has been observed, and so for a very long time, people have had to give some thought to Christ Mass, the sacrifice or offering of Christ. Who was this Christ? God commands men everywhere to believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. And twice a year, he is front and center everywhere, at Easter and particularly at Christmas. question is, what did he do? Why did he do it? And who did he, who did he do it for? So when someone wishes you a happy holiday, there is no need for us to ignore the elephant in the room and pretend like we all don't know what the reason for this season is. It's been in their face their whole life. We should wish them a Merry Christmas. It is the birth of Christ we are celebrating. It's the birth of Christ who will be the sacrifice for sin, or rather was the sacrifice for sin some 2,000 years ago, and that should make one merry. <laughs> Hence, Merry Christmas. As Christians for whom the Lord died, we have nothing to fear and nothing to worry about. We have been reconciled to God the Father. We have access to the throne of grace. Christ has done everything necessary to expiate our sin and to reconcile us with God. The birth of Christ itself was an occasion of great joy, as noted in the scriptures that we read this morning, so much so that it was announced by the angel of the Lord himself. It says when he did that, the glory of the Lord encompassed the shepherds to whom it was announced, followed by the multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. The birth of Christ Jesus manifested God's incredible condescension where he stepped out of his glory and made himself in the likeness of sinful flesh and set in motion the real-time redemption and reconciliation of man to God. It was the fulfillment of many prophecies that put God in flesh, center stage in the grand scope of his creative enterprise of making man in the image and likeness of God. Speaking of Christ, our deacon read this for us earlier, it was said, quote, in Isaiah 7:14, that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which interpreted is God with us. Speaking of Christ, it was said in a peculiar sort of way, this is Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. 
that a child is born is certainly not a novel idea, since that is how all men come into being. But that a son would be given is something just a little different, particularly when you take them together. A child born and a son given. You have a son born of a woman, a virgin as noted in, in Isaiah 7:14, and a son given from another source. That his name is called Emmanuel, which means God with us, affords us some insight to his divine nature and what is in view here. He was born of the seed of a woman, which was prophesied all the way back in Genesis 3.15. So the conception was via the Holy Ghost, which of course is God. So Christ Jesus is God manifest in flesh. He is fully man and fully God, which is affirmed as we continue in Isaiah 9.6, where we read, And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name, the son's name that is born, shall be called Wonderful, comma, Counselor, comma, the Mighty God, comma, the Everlasting Father, comma, the Prince of Peace. Each one of those things, separated by a comma, says um, a great deal of, uh, each one has a great deal of theological import with respect to uh, what is characteristic and true of the Son. That he is king follows from the next verse, verse 7 of Isaiah chapter 9, of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. And God himself will accomplish all this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. On what is called Christmas morning, about 2,000 years ago, our king was born. One who is king of kings and lord of lords, whoever reigns, one who conquered Satan, conquered sin, and conquered man's greatest enemy of all, death. Our king is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. He is judge of all the earth and heavenly hosts. He is holy, righteous, just, and true, and he is love incarnate. To the Christian, the remembrance of the birth of he who is our Lord God, omnipotent, king, who laid down his life and took it up again that we might live and reign with him forever, ought to make our hearts merry. And so as I close my message this morning, I wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Amen. <laughs>